Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I want to welcome everybody on live stream, podcast, social media, wherever you may be. Thanks for joining with us today and allowing us the opportunity to share the Word of God with you wherever you may be. Amen. Let's open up to Romans chapter 8 this evening. I'm going to start in verse 19, Romans chapter 8. This is a message that I believe that the Holy Spirit really wants to get to us because the Holy Spirit started dropping this in me a number of days ago. And after worship on Tuesday, all of a sudden the Spirit of God drops into Pastor Nid this same thing. So I'd say that it's something that he wants to get across to us. You know, and that's why we say many times you need to get the teachings from Tuesday on flash drive because they're not on live stream and it just goes along with everything else and it just add another word to the sentence. Amen. Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 21. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 21. Are they shut off? No, look at that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There we go. Verses 19 through 21. It says, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Hallelujah. You know, creation is, is quite beautiful, the way God has made it. Isn't that right? I mean, you look at the sunset, you look at the stars, you look at the universe, you look at the, the, even the majesty of, of big oak trees. You look at roses that, that grow and bloom and seeds that flourish when they've been planted. And you can drive and see fields of strawberries and melons and corn. And, and it's just a beautiful creation, isn't it? But yet as beautiful, as prosperous, and as blooming as creation is, it is groaning for the new heavens and the new earth, that even creation knows that it can be, knows that it will be, and it yearns to be better. Creation understands that it is as beautiful, even in its beautiful condition, creation understands it's under a curse and it yearns to be free. Amen. It says it's the anxious longing anxious longing and it means to be attentively looking for something with an expectation it's like having your neck stretched out and your head thrust forward that you want to see it first you want to hear it first you want to recognize it first and it means to look with eagerness and desire that there is a straining straining for a glimpse of freedom amen and this is the position of creation With all of its current beauty, this is the position that creation is in. Well, in verse 21, it it goes on to say, uh, were we in there? Yeah. The creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You know, for many people, the end of this dispensation, it means that only the believer will step into the newness as he leaves this earth and everything else will be destroyed. But that's not true. See, that was the view of Gnosticism. That's a heretic, her, heretic, uh, 
heretic view. Because verse 22 goes on to say, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. All creation is longing for the wholeness and the freedom from the pain. And all creation will also be in the arena of salvation. God intends to redeem his whole earth, all of creation from the curse. Amen. Not just mankind, but all of creation. He's, that's his intent, that everything he's created will come back to its original condition, free from the curse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of born-again people, I'm not even going to talk about the world. You know, we don't need to talk about the world. We need to talk about our own selves. But many born-again people are deceived, and they think that this life is so great that they don't want out. Now, I'm not looking to leave. You know, I'm not looking to take off like anytime soon. But, you know, I'm looking forward to getting out of here. I, I really am. How about you? But a, a lot of people don't. They think that this is great, this is life, and this is just wonderful. But they don't understand that the only reason that any of us are here is to affect another person so they won't die in that curse. And that they can come out into freedom. Isn't that right? Amen. Now, we do have information about heaven. We know that heaven is, is ahead of us when we leave this earth. Isn't that right? But are we attentively looking? Are we straining for a glimpse? Are we having an earnest desire that we really do want to be in heaven? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, some people say, well, you're just trying to escape. No, we're not talking about escapism. We're talking about just the desire for the wholeness and completeness of our salvation. Because you know you're not completely saved. You know, your spirit is saved. Your soul, well, that depends on what you've done with that thing. And your body is nowhere near being saved. It's still decaying. But the wholeness of salvation is spirit, soul, and body being totally, completely as he is. So will we be when we see him. Isn't that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 23. It says, and not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Hallelujah. There is the world that is. But then there is the world that will be. And creation is looking with eagerness for the world that will be. With eagerness. Wants so much to be free from the slavery of, the, of this corruption. And what happens to us as people? One of the biggest things we do is we get caught up in the news of the day. And because of the news of the day. And how many of you know the news don't get any better? You know, I've been listening to news now. Well, I've been around for 73 years. Now, I've been listening that long. But I've been listening a good 65 years. And news hasn't gotten any better. The world hasn't gotten any better. But what happens is we get caught up in the news of the day and we lament and we sorrow. And we even mourn over the way the world is. And that's all we can talk about. The way the world is. 
No kidding. You know, people used to say to me, don't you care about? I'd say, well, why would I care? They're on their way to hell in a freight train. Why would I care? Why do I want to read their newspapers? Why do I want to hear their news? They're going to hell in a freight train. Why do I want to get on that train? There's only one reason to get on the train, and that's to get them off the train. You don't get on the train to live with them and talk with them and everything else about them. You're lamenting, you're sorrowing, and you're mourning over the way the world is rather than directing your gaze in the hope of the world to come where you will be free from the slavery to this corruption. And you think this corruption is normal. It's not normal. It's the devil's system. And you're getting wrapped up in it. Many people today will grieve over current conditions. But the Bible tells you don't grieve like the world does. Oh, yeah, we don't grieve when they die. We know about heaven. Then why don't you live like that? Why are you so caught up with what's going on in the world? You're grieving like the world does, as though there's no hope. We have a living hope for the future. A living hope. Glory to God. And we have to start setting ourselves on that thing, on that hope. We know the world will not remain as it is. And in knowing that the world will not remain as it is, we know we will not remain the way we are. We're going to be changed. The world's going to be changed. The earth's going to be changed. And it's going to be wonderful. It's called the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. Glory to God. What you see. As wonderful as creation is, as beautiful as creation is, as good as things might be in your life, what you see is not God's final work. And we have to start getting our sights set in that direction. You need to start taking God more seriously than your present sufferings. People get so wrapped up in what they deal with, what they're going through. You don't understand. You don't see what I'm... Get God to be in the forefront of your life. Take him more seriously than what you're dealing with. Your afflictions are but momentarily light afflictions. Cannot be compared to the eternal weight of glory. Get your eyes off of that temporary affliction and get your eyes on the eternal weight of glory. Why don't we get our eyes on the eternal weight of glory? Because we're not preparing for it. We're not preparing our life for it. We're too busy dealing with our afflictions, our circumstances, our situations, instead of preparing for what's coming up. Amen. We should be looking forward to the fullness of our sonship in glory because that is your glorious inheritance. Now, don't raise your hand for this, but you may have had a relative that was going to get ready to go to heaven and you might have thought and they had an inheritance for you and you didn't really want to let yourself think about it, but... There was a thought. Oh, as soon as they go on, I'm going to be getting some money. (laughs) 
You know, when I first got saved, we were in kind of dire straits financially. And um, my aunt had gotten really sick. And she wound up getting saved just a couple days before she went on, before she passed on it. She wound up going to heaven. And, um, and I didn't want to think about it. But that thought came to me when her name was Mimi. We called her Mimi. She said, and then the thought came, when Mimi leaves, you will be having an inheritance. And I'm like, I'm not going to think about that. See, but that was coming to me. I wasn't thinking about it. And that's what happened. She went on into heaven and wound up getting an inheritance from it. I couldn't say I've been delivered, oh, praise the Lord, but it was a big help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. You know, and there's an inheritance that's waiting for us, the fullness of inheritance waiting for us. And I don't care what your investments are. I, you know, you check, the, the, you, you check the ticker, you check the newspaper, you check online, you check your apps. You want to see how that investment's doing. Is it growing? Because you want that investment to do something for you. Yeah. Well, how come we don't look that way at the things of God? God's the investment that we just sit and wait around. Well, well something's going to happen. Well, I don't know. But we don't do anything to take hold of it. And yet it's right there. And as much as there is a future inheritance, there is a present inheritance. And this has to be more than just a church service. This has to be more than just an emotional uplifting. Oh, yes, an inheritance. It has to become a reality in us. And it has to become a reality through us. That we must come to the realization that we're living under a curse. And that life can be and will be so much abundantly, overwhelmingly, exceedingly greater than what we have today. You say, yeah, but I'm not under the curse. Jesus, redeem me from the curse. Is your body decaying? Then you're under a curse. See, the whole problem is you don't understand the curse. You've been redeemed. You're free from the curse. But you, there's abusive words come out of your mouth. So don't tell me you're not under a curse. We're still living under a curse. We live in a curse system. Now, you don't have to be subjected to it in certain areas. But you're still under it. You know, Joseph, Joseph, when he got thrown into jail, he became the head person in jail, in charge of everything, right? Yeah. But he was still in jail. Yeah. Do you think he was like, boy, I'm going to be here the rest of my life. I like it here. I'm in charge. <laughs> no, he wanted to get out because he was still in jail. You're still under a curse. This is not against faith. This is exactly what your faith is for. Understand and realize where you live and learn how to live and how to prepare for the days ahead. Amen. It's about being eternity minded and then living our life based on eternity. Glory to God. Amen. You know, when was the last time you had to make a decision and you stopped and said, how 
will this affect my eternity? Oh, it won't affect my eternity. I'm going to heaven. That ain't your eternity. Your eternity is the reward you get when you get there. Or the loss of reward when you get there. How will this decision affect your eternity? Based on reward or loss of it? When was the last time we thought about that? All we do is think about how's this going to handle and, and take care of my situation. How's this going to help me? What's this going to do for, for whatever I'm dealing with? But what about your eternity? You put more emphasis on your momentary light affliction than you do on that eternal way to glory. And that has to shift. We need a shift in that. Amen. Eternity minded. In the life that we live here on earth, there's only one eternity that we deal with. And that is the unchanging eternal reality of the word of God. The word of God is the only true eternal reality that we live with right here on the earth. Jesus spoke to the father in John 17, 17, and he said to the father, thy word is truth. Truth. Only the word is truth. It is the, the word truth, meaning the reality as the basis of what is seen. So what do I see? I see the curse. I see life as it is under sin. I see my body decaying. I see that I'm still connected to that curse. But what's the reality underneath it? The reality is Jesus paid your price, that you're redeemed, which means what? Doesn't mean that you don't deal with the curse. It means that heaven will be your home and the fullness of inheritance will be yours. And verse 19, when it talks about creation, if you run back up to verse 19, he talks about uh, creation here. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Well, this is man, the sons of God, stepping into the fullness of their inheritance. When Jesus returns and man steps into the fullness of his inheritance, that is what creation's longing for. Creation is waiting for that day. Because it will be its deliverance. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 9 and 10. Ephesians 1 verses 9 and 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, things on the earth. Okay? So it starts off by saying he made known to us. So if he makes known to us, it's no longer a mystery. So there are no mysteries. If he makes known to us, the things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, all that God has prepared for those that love him, but he has revealed them by the Spirit to us. It should not be a mystery. 
his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration. The word administration is the Greek word oikonomia or oikonomai, which sounds like what? Economy. And what is the economy of the kingdom? That all things are summed up in Christ, not only in heaven, but on earth also. This is the economy or the management of the kingdom. He is the head of all things. He's the head of the church. He's the head of creation. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the beginning and the end. Isn't that right? He, all things are summed up in him. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 11. So he says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. All right, so we have an inheritance. The inheritance is what was predestined for all believers. The believers are not predestined. You're not predestined to be a believer. You had to make a choice. But there is no choice about the inheritance. Once you make the choice to be the believer, that inheritance was predestined for you as a believer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So this inheritance is the mystery of his will. Remember what it started off that he made known to us the mystery of his will. And then he works, then he ends it up by saying, who works all things after the counsel of his will. He's making it known to you. He's talking to you about the management and the economy of the kingdom of God in heaven and on earth. He's talking about all things are summed up in Christ. He's talking about the inheritance that we've attained because it was predestined for you as you became a believer. And it is all according to his purpose. And it's about his will. He's just made it all known to us. There's no mystery. Praise God. Verses 12 and 13. It says, To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit at the new birth. That was when you were born of the Holy Spirit. Not filled with the Holy Spirit, but born of the Holy Spirit. Regenerated and made and renewed in him. When you said, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life, the Holy Spirit moved in you, regenerated you, made you brand new, translated you out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, moved you out of judgment and brought you into life. Glory to God. Amen. And he sealed you, sealed you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 14. It says, who is given, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Let's read that verse 14 in the Amplified Bible. It says, that spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge, and the foretaste, the down payment on our heritage in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. He is the down payment. He's the first fruit. He's the pledge. He's the foretaste of what is to come. Glory to God. See, living in these days with the Holy Spirit within us is the first fruit of our full redemption. Amen. And if that's going to be our full redemption, then we should live in anticipation of that acquisition. He is the what? Foretaste. Foretaste. How good is life walking by the Spirit? How good is life being directed by the Spirit? How good is life walking on the path of the Spirit? How good is life hearing the Holy Spirit talk to you and direct you and lead you? How good is that? It's a foretaste. It should make you even hungrier for the things that are to come. It shouldn't make you satisfied just for the status quo. It shouldn't make you satisfied. I'm happy living in a cursed world. It should make you hungry as a foretaste of what is to come. You know, you know, I come from an Italian family. We used to go to the relative's house for dinner. We'd start eating at 2 o'clock and we wouldn't get done till 8 o'clock at night. And two o'clock would start with the foretaste. You'd come out with the cheeses and the crackers and stuff, you know. And then it would move on into the salad. And then it would move on later on into the, the, the entrees. And then down the road would be desserts. I mean, it was all a foretaste of what was to come. You're getting hungry. I am hungry. And there was only one restaurant in New York that would do that. It was called Mama Leone's. And you'd go in there and they'd bring out the chunk of cheeses and the crackers and you'd sit down. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> and you had to have a jacket to go in there. You couldn't just walk. If you walked in off the street and didn't have a jacket, they gave you one. You were not allowed in there without a jacket. Now, of course, the jacket they gave you was made out of paper. So I hope you didn't have a fire. But, you know. <laughs> But you had to have a jacket to get in there. Oh, yeah. It's a nice place. Uh, just by the way, there's a Mama Leone's us up in Osprey. They're not related. Just so you know. I thought they were because I went there right away and asked them. <laughs> so. The Holy Spirit that we have received in the new birth, born of the Holy Spirit, he is our foretaste of what is to come. We should have an anticipation of acquisition of the things ahead of us. This should be, by the Holy Spirit, it should be, knowing the Holy Spirit on the inside of us should be one of the great remembrances that the full inheritance is ahead of us. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And it says here that, uh, anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it. And I think the New American Standard said something about being God's possession, God's own possession. We are God's own possession. Isn't that right? We are his possession. And guess what? He don't want you back in the condition you're in. He wants you back in mint condition. Now, you know about men condition, you restore cause. You know about men condition. You don't want that thing back in junk. You want it in men condition. Well, that's how he wants you back. He wants you in mint condition. Glory to God. Look at the Passion Translation of verse 14. 
It says he has given to us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring as the first installment of what's coming. He's the engagement ring. What is the engagement ring? Engagement ring is the promise of a future marriage. Isn't that right? And you know what? When you get an engagement ring, you're no longer free to start trying different relationships. If you, get, you start doing that with different relationships, you done lost that engagement ring. You done. The Holy Spirit's your engagement ring, and you're not free to go out and try all different kinds of stuff. And when you get engaged, naturally speaking, when you get engaged, you can enjoy that engaged relationship, but not in its fullness until the marriage occurs. And it's the same thing. We have an engagement ring, the Holy Spirit, and we enjoy that engagement uh, relationship, but not in its fullness until the marriage happens. And that is at the supper. Amen. Amen. Why am I talking about this? Because I want you to start looking for these things. I want you to start anticipating what's ahead. And I want you to start seeing people as those that are not free like you are. That they don't have an anticipation. Their anticipation is life's better on this side of the dirt than it is on the other side. And that's their only anticipation. As long as I'm on this side of the dirt, I'm okay. Are you with me? Well, our inheritance is the same way. We have a down payment, the Holy Spirit, the first fruit, the pledge of eternal fullness of inheritance. The guarantee that there is an inheritance for you is the Holy Spirit in you. Amen. Now, we don't live in that place yet, the fullness, but until we have that, we have the pledge. We have the engagement ring. And how, ladies, what's the first thing you do when you get an engagement ring? You see my ring? Do you see my ring? Look at my ring. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know. Or if you don't want, if you, if you're, you know, if you don't want to really say it, then you just put your hand like this. Oh, is that a ring you have? Oh, did you notice? Of course they do. I've seen people do that. Thank you. Well, when was the last time we showed off our engagements to others? When did others see our engagements? We have a down payment that we can live in, that we can live on. We have the first fruits to enjoy in life. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's go back to New American Standard. Let's read verses 17 through 19. No, we need to be in Ephesians. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 19. It says that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And I pray that the eyes of your heart or your understanding may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. 
So he starts off by saying in uh, verse 18 that you may know. So once again, God wants you to know because he doesn't want it to be a mystery. If you don't know, then it's a mystery. This is why a lot of people, to a lot of people, God's a mystery. Well, we don't know why, but uh, it's a mystery. God's mysterious. No, he's not. You just don't know him. You know, I've been your pastor for a number of years, but there's a lot of things you don't know about me. Good things. (laughs) But you really don't know them about me. Not like my wife does. She knows them about me. Okay, and she's not talking. So those things about me is a mystery because you don't know. And there's a lot of assumption that goes on in churches. And, you know, through the years I've been doing this for a number of years, there's been a lot of assumptions made about me. And yet it was based on what? A mystery because you didn't know. But we assume, did you see the way he looked at me? Did you see the way he tilted his head? Did you see the way he, well, he raised his voice. He must be yelling at me. I hear a lot of people raise their voices and they're not yelling at anybody. Okay, so mysteries. Assumptions are made because of mysteries. Assumptions about God are made because of mysteries, but yet God's laid it out in his word so that you would know. So how did God make his mysteries known to us? Verse 17. It says that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. That word knowledge is the same Greek word that we see over in 2 Peter chapter 1. All right, that grace and peace would be multiplied to you in the knowledge. And it's actually defined as true knowledge. That's how the Greek defines it, true knowledge. Okay, it is the word of God in truth. The word of God in truth. Second Timothy says that you should study so that you'll learn to handle accurately the word of truth. And that is a point that most people fall behind on. And this is where God's real directed this teaching tonight. Because I was going down this road totally and only about inheritance, but then he switched it at the last minute and said, go down this road. So this is where we're going. So go down to John, go to John chapter 1. Is it okay if we go this way? You like to follow the Holy Spirit, don't you? <laughs> See, if you don't handle accurately the word of truth, you can't take hold of your inheritance. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 And then verse 14, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the word, which word, the word from the beginning, the word that all things came into creation by that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Glory, grace, and truth in Jesus, the Word made flesh. So if you want to see God's glory, 
you got to open your eyes to see the Word of God. If you want to walk in God's grace and God's truth, then you got to open your ears to hear the Word of God. Amen. There is no fear in Him. There is no fear in His Word. There is no fear in revelation. There is no fear in grace. The word and revelation of the word overcomes the gates of hell. In fact, it just done beats the snot out of it. And that should be our position in life, beating the snot out of the gates of hell. Amen. So, handling the word of God accurately, the word made flesh. He was from the beginning. He is the truth. So if we're believing the word erroneously, then we're not really in the truth. All right, here's an erroneous statement. God supplies all my needs, therefore I will have no needs. Well, why do you want to believe that? Probably because you're afraid of need. It's amazing how many people say things like God supplies all my needs, but then they were afraid of having a need. Oh, my God, I got a need. I don't know what I'm going to do. I thought you said God supplies all your needs. What are you freaking out about? You have a fear of need. But yet the word of God says God supplies all my needs. But you want to believe that if you believe God supplies, you'll never have a need. That's erroneous thinking. Because why? You're not living in the fullness of your inheritance yet. You still live in a system where there's need. But you have what it takes to overcome the need if you're not afraid of it. It's only a need. Well, what about Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, when he's your constant shepherd, then you will not want. And I don't mean to say this rudely, but looking around the room, he's not your constant shepherd. He is your shepherd, but not constantly. Therefore, we wind up with need and wants. Don't shout me down. I'm talking about me too. You don't understand that. See, it's about your position in life. That's what it's about. Our position in life with Jesus, the word. Not only spiritually, but in our life. Where is my position in the word in life? What kind of nonsense do I put up with? What kind of nonsense do I listen to? Because I don't live for the word. Are you with me? Go to Psalm 91. And I want to tell you too, Psalm 23 is not a psalm for the dead. It's a psalm for the living. Psalm 91 is another psalm for the living. Let's read verses 1 through 8. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 8. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. 
You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, of the pestilence that stalks in darkness or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Key words, dwell, abide, fortress, trust, then no fear. Dwell, abide, your refuge, he's your fortress, he's your trust, then there'll be no fear. No fear. Well, what does that mean? Oh, see, I don't ever have to deal with anything. I have no fear. That's not what he said. What did verse five? I think it was verse five. Go back to verse five. You will not be afraid. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. The way we say this is I will stop the terror by day. There'll be no terror that comes by day and there'll be no arrow that flies by night. That's not what he said. He said the terror comes and the arrow flies. You won't be afraid of it. Verse six. The pestilence that stalks in darkness. Oh, no, no, no. There's no pestilence. Oh, bless God. I am protected. There is no pestilence. There's no destruction that lays waste. No, no, I don't deal with any of that. Erroneous thinking. There is pestilence and there is destruction. And this is why you dwell. And this is why he's your fortress. And this is why you abide. And this is why he has to be your trust and your refuge. You're not going to stop the things of the world system. How come Jesus didn't stop the storm from coming? The storm came. It just couldn't stop him. Why couldn't Paul stop the thorn that came after him every place he went? But it couldn't stop him. See, erroneous thinking is I will not have to deal with any pestilence, any, oh, no, 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 none of this. Because you're assuming that your whole life abides, continues, dwells in the Most High, and that he is your continual refuge, he is continual fortress, and your continual trust, and you know that's not true. When you're honest with yourself, you'll know that's not true. Now, we're all growing in it more and more. But we're not there. When will you be there? The moment you get there. This is why we yearn to be free from the slavery of corruption and the curse that's on this world. Amen. Verses 9 through 13. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they will bear you up in your hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, they won't disappear. You will tread upon them. They will show up, but you could tread upon them. And the young lion and the serpent, you could trample down. Amen. Amen. 
So, because, because you've made him your refuge, you've made him your dwelling place. Now, some people will say things like, oh, well, you know, God's my refuge and my dwelling place, but you just went eight hours and never thought about him. Don't shout me down. We all deal with this. We all get caught up in the things of the day and all that stuff. And he's not always our refuge and our dwelling place. Isn't that right? Amen. Go to Luke chapter 4, verse 9. Well, didn't Jesus dwell in the Most High? Wasn't the Lord his refuge and his fortress? Well, Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, when he was in the wilderness, that Satan led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Was that true? Yeah, that was a true statement. That was true, truly what God said in his word. We just read that in the Psalms. So if Jesus dwelt in the Lord and he was his refuge, would not the angels have charge over him? Well, the answer to it is in verse 12. And Jesus answered and said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus was saying to Satan, you shall not tempt me. Is that what he said? No. What he was saying is, no, we don't tempt God. We don't tempt God and put him to the test. What does it mean to tempt God or to test God? It's when you choose your direction and then tell God what to do. Okay, I'm going to throw myself down off the pinnacle of the temple and you're going to to bear me up and hold me up that I won't strike my foot against a rock. That's the way most believers live. Now, if you're serving the Lord and you happen to fall off the pinnacle and you're doing what God's told you to do, then he can protect you. But you don't tell God what you're going to do and what he needs to do. I'm going down to the mall and I'm going shopping. I'm going up to University Mall. They got a lot of nice stores up there. I'm going shopping and God's going to pay the bill. Did he tell you that? Yeah, go talk to my wife. The bubble bus woman. Or I'm going to go buy a new car and, I'm going to, and God's going to pay for it. Did he tell you that? I'm going to go out and eat as many times as I want and I'm going to declare that God will cover my bill. Did he tell you that? Or is that something you want and you're telling him what he needs to do? See, when we choose and we direct God, we're tempting him. And then we get mad. Well, this is what your word said. How come it didn't happen? Well, I didn't tell you to do that. But then again, we don't need the Holy Spirit. You hear this from people. We don't need the Holy Spirit. Well, who's going to tell you what to do? 
You're just going to haphazardly pick something out of the word, say, that's what I want, and that's what I'm going to do, and this is what God's going to do. And you're tempting God because you have no direction except for what you want. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church. Are you with me? This is important stuff. I wish I had a different way to say it, but... See, this is not handling the Word of God accurately. We must know the Word of God in truth. God is provision. And what is provision? He is pro his vision. His vision. He's pro his vision. So when he gives you direction, he's pro vision. Well, God told me to do this and it didn't work out. Well, you see, there's learning in here because you're going to start to learn whether you're hearing from God or hearing from that dead head. It's called the fertility of our mind. Well, how many, how, how many times have, have, have we learned from that? I mean, we've, got, we've all gone through that. You think, well, this was God, but it didn't happen. It didn't work out. Boom, here it is right there. But I thought, yes, you did think. But you just didn't know. But we don't need the Holy Spirit. And you hear that from a lot of people. I can do just fine without him. <laughs> Not in the kingdom you won't. And in the world you'll do even worse. Because you're a saved person without the leadership of the Holy Spirit in the world. You have got a target on your back. And you have no defense against it. Let's go back to Psalm 91. Verses 14 through 16. He says, now you know that when you read the word of God, you should read it personally, right? So this is God speaking to us. So I want to take this personal. Because I have loved him, therefore he will deliver me. He will set me securely on high because he has known, because I have known his name. I will call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble and he will rescue me and honor me. With a long life, he will satisfy me and let me see his salvation. Well, it starts off by saying that we set our love on him because we loved him. Well, what does that mean to love God? Oh God, I love you. Oh God, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. But Jesus said, if you love me, you would keep my commandments. So the number one way to show your love for God is obey his word. And the number two way to show you love God is that no matter what, hold, what happens, you hold fast to him. Which is to hold fast to his word because, you know, you just, you can't grab him. He's ungrabbable. So you have to hold fast to his word. The word is what? The word made, Jesus, the word made flesh. You hold fast to his word. So by loving him, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him and his word, therefore, he'll deliver us. How does he deliver you? He'll deliver you from something that you never have to deal with it. He'll deliver you by moving you around it. You might see it, but it won't touch you. Or he'll deliver you out from the middle of it, just like the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So don't tell God how he's going to deliver you. 
and don't complain when it happens the way you don't like it. Because there is no way that you won't like because it'll wind up in deliverance. Amen. He'll set you on high above. I will we'll call on him and will be answered even in times of trouble. Even in times of trouble. See, why is it that we have a hard time getting God to answer us in times of trouble? Because we never really call on him or talk to him when there is no trouble. That's the times we're not really thinking about him. And we should be dwelling regularly. He'll rescue us, honor us, satisfy us, and allow us to behold and look upon and take hold of salvation. Salvation being deliverance, help, victory, prosperity, and rescue. He will allow us to behold his salvation. Amen. Glory to God. See, this is true knowledge. This is handling accurately what the word of God says. It produces revelation. It produces understanding, and it will even multiply grace into your life. Erroneous believing creates actions that does not bring about God results. And it's the surest way of stopping our taking hold of the inheritance that is in us, the saints. Amen. Amen. Back over to Ephesians 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, he said that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The word give here is written in the optative mood. The optative mood is very rare in the Greek New Testament. And give could be expressed by wish. And it could also be expressed by offer, that he would offer to you. That I wish that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So it's given, it's offered, but it has to be what? Received. We have to receive it. So how is the offered spirit of wisdom and revelation received? In true knowledge of the word of God. Not by picking out something you want and then say, well, this is the way it's going to be. Don't want to get into tempting God. What did it say back in verse 13? Run back up there, verse 13. It says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay? So you listened to what? The offer. That's what the message of truth is. That's what the gospel is. It's an offer. God's making an offer to you. You've listened to the offer, and when you listen to the offer, you believe that, and you acted on it. And you committed, the, the believe means to commit yourself to him with trust, persuasion, and confidence. I heard the message. I was offered salvation through the blood of Jesus, and I set my trust i committed my trust to him i was fully persuaded of what i heard and i have full confidence in jesus as my savior and my lord i'm not putting him on a chair next to buddha 
or on a chair next to Mohammed. Everybody else gets removed out of the way and Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. This believing, committed trust, persuasion, and confidence created an action in us in order to receive what was being offered. Amen. So, that he would offer to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. How do you get it? Same way you got saved, hearing the word. Same way. Receiving it, being persuaded of it, having confidence in it, and full trust. Verse 18, I pray the eyes of your heart or your understanding being enlightened that you will know the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So the word of God, knowledge tells us the inheritance is in us. The true knowledge tells me inheritance is in me. I'm not trying to get it. I'm not trying to obtain it. It's in me. I have the engagement ring. I have the down payment. I have the pledge. We have the part of the inheritance on the earth. Heaven is coming, but we've got the part here on the earth. So with wisdom and revelation, this inheritance can become a part of our life on a consistent basis. Not just, oh, I need a little help here. Oh, I know. No, a consistent basis. I'm just going to make an assumption here. This could be a crazy assumption, but I'm going to make an assumption that you got an inheritance of a million dollars. And the only time you think about it is when you have a dire need. No, it's constantly on your mind. It's constantly before you what you can do it's constantly before you what can happen because you have an inheritance you have an inheritance from God greater than any monetary value ever could be you have such an inheritance that you can have all your needs met without even having any money coming by without money that's what the Bible says Now, for our mind, because it's so wrapped up under the curse, that's hard to take hold of. It's hard for people to, well, how's God going to supply all my needs? I only get this much money every week. I only get this much Social Security. I'm on a fixed income. How's God going to supply my needs? That's hard to wrap around a cursed mind. That's why it needs to be renewed, to get free from the cursed thinking. Amen. Because you come to understand that he don't meet your needs according to your paycheck, your social security, or your fixed income. But it's according to his exceedingly great riches that are in Christ Jesus, who is the head. And he is, in the fullness of time, the manager of the kingdom. Glory to God. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. See, revelation from wisdom comes. When you believe it in your heart, when you get it in your heart, it goes beyond that want. Because everybody has a want. Every unbeliever has a want. Every unbeliever wants what God has. Yes. 
We all have wants. Unfortunately, want is not faith. Need is not faith. But when you believe it in your heart, revelation from the wisdom of the word of God comes. This revelation creates the believing, which creates the receiving and the action. It creates a believing, a confidence, a persuasion, a trust, firm and settled and solid. Amen. Wisdom tells us we have an inheritance in us. Revelation creates a believing, not just agreeing. Agreeing is not believing. Revelation creates a believing. Thank you, Jesus. Believing creates a receiving. Receiving creates an action. And that action is what you live on to receive. Should I say that again? Revelation creates a believing. Believing creates a receiving. Receiving creates an action. And that action is what you live on to receive. That's good. Yes. Can we go one more verse? Yeah. Colossians 1. Verse 5 and 6. That's actually two verses. 5 and 6. <laughs> it says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as, it ha just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. So let's read the part that pertains to you rather than the whole world. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel... It has been increasing in you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Our hope is heaven. The fullness of the inheritance is our hope in heaven. And it's part of the gospel. The hope laid up for you in heaven. You heard it in the word of truth, the gospel. Part of the gospel, and we know gospel is what? It's the good news. But it's not just the good news. It's the good news of the rewards of faith. That's what the gospel is. The good news of the reward of faith. The fullness of inheritance as a reward. It is a hope because as of now, it's future. It's, we're not there right now. So therefore, it's a hope. It's ahead of us. So where do we find this? In the true word of the gospel. The true word of the gospel. That hope laid up for you in heaven. That inheritance laid up for you in heaven. You heard of it in the gospel. The gospel of good news. The good news of faith that has reward. That means living the right way. Forget about the, okay, I, I understand. We, but let's hope we're beyond being good to your neighbor, being nice to the other guy. Well, I'm a nice person. Let's hope we're beyond that. We're talking about doing the things God wants you to do. Walking in his path. Renewing your mind like you need to when nobody knows what you're thinking. And not letting that crap stay in there. 
And the more you listen to that crap, the more crap you're going to have in here. And it's going to produce in life. <laughs> Just saying. You have to choose to put the right stuff in your head. And how do you know when you have the right stuff in your head? It's what comes out of your mouth. Well, I only have right stuff come out of your mouth, out of my mouth. Well, I think you ought to read the word a little more. Amen, sister. You heard it in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. It has come to you. So when it comes to you, what do you need to do? You got to receive, right? They heard the word of God, but it did not profit them because they did not unite faith with what they heard. That's what it said in Hebrews, remember? Okay. They came to you, so it needs to be understood. Just as in all, even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it and understood. You heard it and understood. One translation says you have come to really know it. The Greek English dictionary of the New Testament says you recognize it. You perceive it and you know it well. The analytical lexicon of the New Testament says you discern it. The Dictionary of Greek New Testament words says you have become fully acquainted with it. And all of this wraps up in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, the fourth person. There's one that heard the word and understood it. And he indeed was able to bear fruit and bring forth. Some 30, 60, and 100 fold. The first person in the parable heard the word but did not understand it. And it immediately got stolen. But the last person heard the word, understood it. He pressed in to understand it. And when he understood it, it bore fruit on the inside, revelation. And from that revelation, it brought forth into his life 30, 60, and 100 fold. So we're hearing and we're learning to understand about our inheritance on the earth and in heaven. And I hope you're not sitting there thinking, yeah, I know about that inheritance because you're not living in the fullness even of the down payment. So you can't sit there and go, well, I know about that. We're not talking about what your head knows. We're talking about what your heart knows and moves you into action and so you can live in it. And every single one of us needs to increase in that. We have to be able to apply it in the earth. And as we apply it in the earth, the things we apply in the earth is what's preparing us for heaven's rewards. You can't go three days in La La Land and not even thinking about the things of God because you're not preparing anything. What you apply to your life today is what will prepare rewards for you in heaven. We all are going to have an inheritance. Some will be bigger. Some will be smaller. Some of you may get what should have been mine. 
and I'm going to see you walk away with my rewards. And I'm going to have a tear in my eye. Because the Bible says I would suffer loss. Isn't that right? So this is all about living our life the way God wants us to live it. Dealing with our mind, dealing with our emotions, dealing with our will, getting restored, getting renewed. Because God wants you back in mint condition. Now, you won't make yourself in mint condition. But you can move in that direction really, really as far as you can. And then when the day comes, you'll be totally transformed. And you'll be in mint condition spirit, soul, and body. In mint condition. Glory to God. No more face cream. No more shaving. No more haircuts. Maybe I'll have more hair. Maybe my hair will grow back out. I still have hair. It's just on the inside. It's not outside. So maybe it'll grow back out again. <laughs> okay, we're sowing seed for that. <laughs> See, it's, let me just close by saying it's, it's all about the wisdom that comes through the Word of God. Creating within us revelation and understanding that can attach and allow grace to move inside of us. This is what will grant us access to the inheritance that's in us while we're here on the earth so that it would come to us and come through us. And it all comes because of the promise of Jesus and our believing on him, that we accepted the offer. When we accepted that offer, there was an inheritance deposited in us that was predestined for every believer. And now our life is all about learning to walk in it, live in it, share it, produce it, show off our engagement ring. Glory to God. Isn't that right? Amen. And as we do these things, it'll prepare us for the rewards that are ahead when we step into heaven, that there will be an inheritance waiting for us that it's predestined, that we, it's going to be ours. We have the first fruits of it now, but the fullness of it is coming. And we want to be preparing our life for those days. For those days are greater days than these days. These days are the shortest time of our existence. And we're going to step into an eternity that never ends. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, just bow your head for a moment. If you're on live stream, podcast, Facebook, go ahead and just bow your head right where you're at. Father, we just thank you for this word today. Holy Spirit, we look to you, for you're the one that has breathed the word. You're the one that has spoke the word into existence. So we look to you, Holy Spirit, to make these things real on the inside of us. As we meditate on them, contemplate what we heard, Ponder it, go over the verses again, that through your word, revelation will come to us. In that true knowledge will come revelation, will come wisdom, will come what we need, Father, to take hold of that which you have declared. That we can walk in the inheritance in greater measures, in greater ways, fulfilling the things that you've set us to do. 
Father, I thank you that as we walk on your path, doing the things that you've called us to do, that we'll be walking in your vision and that you will have provision for that vision. And Father, I just thank you, Father, that the provision covers not just money, my goodness, but it can be strength. It is health. It is everything that we need, Father. And if an attack comes our way, just like Jesus on his way over to the other side, we can stand up in the authority of your word because you're the one that set us on the path and you're the one that moved us in that direction. And therefore, we can stand up and nothing is able to stop us. And I thank you for that, Father, for it is the power of your word and it is the power of your Holy Spirit that makes it all able in us and through us. And we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, I hope that helped you tonight. Um, we'll probably go down that direction for a while and see where the Holy Spirit directs us to. Uh, but I believe it'll be good. Amen. Maybe we'll all be like Enoch and we'll be going along with God and boom, all of a sudden, like, where'd they go? <laughs> Don't say never because you might be the only one left. We're all saying, yeah. <laughs> Glory to God. Father, we thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for revelation. Father, I thank you for touching us opening our eyes, Father, that in your word, Father, in our own self, so many times we hear things from your word, and in our own self we think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But in you we can do all things. You're the one that makes us able. It's your word. It's your anointing. It's your seed. It's your power. Therefore, we look to you, we trust in you, and lean on you, and that you'll bring those things to pass, directing us in the way that we should go. And as we do, Father, every step we take in you will bring us closer and closer to the realities of your vision and your direction in our life. We thank you for that. Father, as we come before you with our giving, we do so also according to the leadership of your Holy Spirit that we purpose to hear from you what it is that you'd have us to do. And whatever it is that you tell us to do, that is what we will do. And because it's what you tell us to do, I thank you that we can believe you according to your word, that as we bring our seed into the kingdom, that, it will, that you will supply and multiply back to us seed for sowing, bread for food, and increase the harvest that comes from our righteous act of giving. We thank Thank you and bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Amen.